Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm actually very excited about this word. I can't tell you why. I can't. I may have more, I may have thoroughly, I really enjoyed studying this, this message. So, and it's one of these messages where I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh, that's fascinating. And when you hear the message today, you may go, I don't think that's fascinating. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to come across, but I know it's, it's the Lord's word. Okay? And that's the important part in this, is we've got the Lord's word. Um, so we, after we've, and I've shared this before, and I'm going to use this to kind of springboard us today. When, when Jesus uh, went back into heaven, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, he hung out with the, the folks on earth here for a while, a season, and then he goes into heaven. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait in Jerusalem to his disciples. And the disciples did, in fact, they went to Jerusalem. And then what? You go to Jerusalem and you're waiting there, and then what? What do you do? You know, do you have party? Do you just, do you, t- do you take naps? Do you go socialize? Do you schmooze? Do you pray? What do you do? So the one order of business that they did, the one thing that they thought they should do, go ahead, Mike, let's pop it open. We're going to look at it in the scripture. Peter gets up and he talks in Acts 1, and the only thing that we know that they really did beside pray, the one thing was this. And he says, for it is written in the book of Psalms. He's talking about a prophetic piece here. Let his dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in it. And let another take his office. He's speaking about the one that betrays Jesus. So this is prophesied. Somebody's going to betray Jesus. And let somebody take his place. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, he's saying with all these people around us, based on what we just read, taking his place, um, the company has said the time of the Lord Jesus went in and out and among us. In other words, people who were with Jesus through his ministry, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. In other words, somebody here needs to replace Judas. That's what he's saying. Somebody here needs to replace Judas. And they went about doing it, <clears throat> should it be, uh, Barsabbas or Matthias, uh, and they went through their process and they replaced Judas. So one of the very first things, the principle, one of the big principles in this is that the government is important. The government uh, was important of the time. Are you with me? Of all the things that they could do when they're together waiting in Jerusalem, the one thing they took on was government. It matters. It got me thinking about our, our government, our federal government, and what our federal government does for us. And then I started thinking about other governments. I was doing some research on the Russian government and what they produce, and different nation, national governments and what they produce, and how they operate as governments. Our government's an interesting government. Was, was anybody here involved in forming it? Right? We did it. We inherited it. Our forefathers formed the government we had, and they did it with several things in mind. They did it with checks and balances that nobody would ever be too powerful. Thank you very much for that. We've all had presidents that we liked and didn't like. True. 
or, or senators or governors that we liked and didn't like, so they, they made checks and balances in the process. We have a say in the process as American citizens. We can go vote, so thank you for that, forefathers. We appreciate that. They put some guiding rules together some for the government to adhere to, the Constitution. Thank you, government, for that. We enjoy our Constitution. And then our government, when they do their job, it produces a certain kind of citizen. We have a government because we can vote. Our government knows we can not vote for them again. Every now and then, there's somebody who's not reelected. True? true? So we have that liberty in our government. And we have the right to stand up and say, we don't like the way that person's leading. We don't like the way that person's leading. And we can stand in the street on a box if we wanted to. And we do this in this legal way. We can say, we think this is good or we think this is not good. True? Our government shapes a certain kind of citizen. It produces a certain kind of citizen. And as citizens, we influence our government. Now, some countries, that's not the case. Some countries, people have no say who their leader is. They get their leader, and that is it. Their leader is their leader, no, through, through thick or thin. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's bad. And then we've got, what about this? What about governments or leading groups within our country? For example, the military. So Cody's back from Marines. The military has a very authoritarian government. The general says, the colonel says, the major says, the captain says, the lieutenant says, and then eventually you get down to Cody. Cody, <laughs> sa Cody says, okay. <laughs> Cody does, now I cannot imagine, I haven't talked to Cody about this, but imagine if Cody would go back all the way up and say, no, nah, I don't really think so. <laughs> the government in the military or the, or the structure, the leadership structure in the military and how that's run is very authoritarian. What about, what about this? What about a company that franchises Subway? I'm going to pick on Subway. Subway, uh, there's a corporate Subway. And then if we all wanted to buy our own Subway restaurant, we could. We could pay whatever their franchise fees were, sign their contract, and agree to follow their rules. And they would equip us. So their government is very decentralized. They let each store or each owner have a lot of authority how that store is run. Are you with me? So our governments, we can shape our governments, but our governments produce a certain kind of citizen or a certain kind of worker or a certain kind of employee. You're with me, right? Yeah. All right, so this is important to have this in mind before we move on. It really is. I promise there's going to be relevance here. So <clears throat> the Old Covenant, the Old Testament government, uh, and there were several elements, and there were several seasons, and I recognize that, but there was religious leaders, and there was the civic or the, the king. Uh, there would be, like, for example, the priests and Levites. You know, priests and Levites weren't, necessarily the same thing. You know that. They were from the same line. All priests were Levites, but not all Levites are priests, which is true. But they had certain rules and they had certain things that they had to do. And if I would look back at it now, they did those things in a, in a, a, a very orderly way. There's a process for what they did. And there's a reason for what they did. And when they did what they did, it produced a certain kind of God follower. It supported the system of a God follower of a certain way. 
So now we go, we fast forward way through time, and we get up to the time of Jesus. And we, of course, we know Jesus was prophesied. They said, the prophets said Jesus was going to come. There's lots and lots of examples of prophecy saying Jesus was going to come. Let's look at one of them. Go ahead, Mike. Isaiah 9, for a child is born to us, a son is given. This is well known. There's songs, there's Christmas songs with that sentence in it. The government will rest on his shoulders. This is where it starts to get interesting. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is is his shoulders? It's Jesus. It's going to rest on Jesus' shoulders. And we know from Ephesians 1... That there's a lot of latitude, a lot of authority that's given to him to govern and to do what he needs to do for his people in the new covenant. Us. But there are some things that change. We have a different kind of government, so to speak, in the new covenant than we did in the old covenants. We don't have priests. At least not here. We don't have priests in that way. We're not dependent on the Levites to do certain things. And we could talk a lot about that, but it's a different process. Let's look at Ephesians 4. He who descended is also the one he who ascended above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Who descended? Jesus, right? Jesus descended. This is an important thing. Jesus descended. We want to track with this. And he himself, who? Jesus. Who has the authority with government on his shoulders? Okay, it's important to keep that in mind. Um, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. For the equipping of saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, till we all come, now we start to see why he gave those offices, till we all come to the unity of faith, the edifying body of Christ, uh, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And, and this is really more of this description. We get these things so we can start to fulfill these things. That all are that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning of craftiness and deceitful plotting. Go ahead. But speaking the truth in love. Now, all that, you know, we, we go through all that. We still have to speak the truth in love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joins and knitted together. Well, you can read this on here, but you understand this point. We have these offices to fulfill these things. You with me? So what used to, what used to exist with the priest produced a certain kind of God follower or supported the process and development of a certain kind of God follower. It was very authoritarian, very legalistic in a lot of ways. Now with Jesus... We're looking at different things. We're looking at a process that supports a different kind of God follower. It's not the same. It's kind of like Subway versus the military. We need both. I do like a good sub sandwich. And I appreciate a good Marine. Right? We need both. There was a time where I go, I look at the types of the, 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 religious leadership of the priests and the Levites, and then I look at what Jesus put in place in the new covenant. And we needed that, and we need this. Don't we? 
what do we get with this? What do we get in the new covenant? It's interesting. If I look at those roles, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, I see how they impact and influence in different ways for us as believers. Apostle, I'm going to give you my nickel version of remembering this. A pastor is pastor. That's not exactly a scriptural stance, but it's pretty close. It's, it's how I like to remember it. Every denomination has something like this. They don't always call it an apostle, but every denomination has some, somebody who helps lead leaders. The prophetic, somebody to lead in a lot of these verbal or these outward manifestation gifts. Evangelist, somebody who can equip and show on how we can better reach out. A pastor, somebody who shepherds and who watches for us while they pour into us. And helps us in our, in our congregation, usually. And then teachers, somebody who just pours heavy knowledge into us. I look at these roles, and I think all of them boil down to us as people needing to walk out what God has called us for. That's what they all have in common. They all have equipping us in this wide range of things. Somebody might be better suited to equip me than somebody else is. There may be times I go, boy, I really need the influence of this one office, and then I really need the influence of this one office, and I really need the influence of this one office, and I may bob between the two, or three, or whatever it is. I just spent two days with Alan Ross. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with him. And he just, we just talked Bible. I come back and I say, Dad, He's my pastor. He's my pa I'm a pastor. He's my pastor. Guess how I view him? Right? So I go, Dad, what do you think about this? And I, even yesterday, I threw a scripture at him. What do you think? And he said, you should get saved. Then we'll talk about it. <laughs> but I did. I asked my dad. And then I'll bob between different things. I asked Andy. I said, Andy, Andy's our evangelist. Andy, I got this idea. I want to have da 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 He said, sure, I, let's do that. I can help with that. You with me on this? The new covenant government produces a certain kind of new covenant citizen, or it reinforces that citizen development. There's other roles in the new covenant government as well. One is elder, and one is deacon. Now, I'm using the word government. I'm, I want you to I'm using the word a little bit loosely, but is, you understand kind of what I'm getting at with this. And we need elders, and we need deacons. Now, we've got two guys here who are going to be ordained into different offices. Phil McCabe will be ordained an elder, and uh, Mark Holdman will be ordained a pastor. And we recognize the work that the Lord's been doing in these men now for some time. And uh, I was thinking about these roles. Let's look at the next slide, Mike. Elder. The column on the right, I'm sorry, <laughs> the left, I was going to say my right, your left, and I realized we're looking at it the same way, just on different screens. <laughs> so the column on your left, where it says the first expression is one wife, uh, these, these descriptions, this is a requirement. These are job requirements. If you're going to step in the role, what do you need? You know? anyway, if, you ever, if we've ever had a job, we've had job requirements we had to meet before we got the job. So these are job requirements. They came from 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. And the very bottom, add-ons, I'll speak to that in a minute. The Bible does not use the expression add-ons. Uh, that is my expression, and I'll tell you what that means. Elder has to have one wife, be a one-woman man. <laughs> Phil McCabe. Uh, 
needs to be above reproach, sober-minded. You know, this is, there's a time to laugh, by the way. You know, elders can laugh. But when we get to business, we get to business. And that's what this is saying. When it's time for work, it's time for work. Self-controlled, straightforward. You know, there's a terrible article. And I do want to say this. And I, I thought about this beforehand. Do I say this today or not? I'm going to say this. There's a large congregation in the area. There's an article in the journal. And they're just going through a terrible time. Uh, leaders, leaders are people. They're human beings. And they... But when they fall, it impacts many, many people. And um, it's always good to pray for leaders. It really is. And I, my heart goes out to this group and to this congregation. Uh, able to instruct. Do you want to know who it is? Because you know I'm not going to tell you if you don't know who it is. <laughs> so it's not a secret, but I don't want to get into that stuff up here. Um, able to instruct and rebuke. You know, lots of, lots of people are able to instruct. You know what I'm talking about? Lots of people will tell you everything they can if you let them. <laughs> I think the hard part is the rebuke part. Not as many people want to get involved in rebuking people. Sometimes there's people who love to rebuke. You know those people? <laughs> well, let me tell you what you're doing wrong, you know? Uh, not a drunkard, not addicted. That's pretty straightforward. Not violent. Manage his own house well. Uh, it's very important. The Bible says if you can't manage your own house well, you can't. How can you manage what goes on here well? Um, uh, can keep their children well. Uh, what is the age of children? You know, this is controversial, somewhat controversial. People say age of children is their whole life. Very few people say that, by the way. Uh, generally, age of children uh, m- means unable to make their own decisions, you know, at a point in life where they can't, they're dependent on their parents. Uh, sometimes children make decisions. They get older, and they make decisions that do not honor their parents, but they're older and they're out of the house. What are the parents going to do? Nothing. You know, pray for them, worry about them, take them out of the will. Um, they must, be, uh, must not be a new believer. This is very important. Um, sometimes uh, somebody in leadership is a new believer, and it goes to their head. You know, that, it, it's a terrible thing when it goes to their head. Um, must be well thought of by others. This is not. This does not mean unanimous approval. I've never known anybody to be unanimously loved by all. Uh, there are some people who are more loved than others, but the general tone here is must be well thought of. And the final one, add-ons. Now here we do have some add-ons. We do some, have some things. We have liberty to say we want to like you. I got to tell you, if I'm going to be sitting in an elders meeting with somebody and they just rub me wrong. That's going to be bad for me and them, right? They've got to be faithful in their attendance. Nowhere in, that, in the line does it say faithful in attendance, but if we have somebody show up here ah, once a month, once every few weeks, they come around when they come around, when their schedule opens up, and even if they meet those other qualifications, would, we, would you want them to be governing? Because they're going to produce a certain kind of citizen. You with me? We don't want that. We want somebody truly who, who listens. We want somebody to be themselves. We don't want a forced agenda. We don't want them to have a forced personality. We want them to be who they are. None of this, you know. We don't do elder politics here. If there's ever an elder who is, is politicking his stance, well, I'm going to get people and we're going to get rallied around. Whoa, they will not be an elder here long. <laughs> Could you <laughs> just think about how, what kind of what kind of congregants, what kind of part, citizens, great citizens, that would produce if we had an elder that was always politicking? That would produce a contentious environment, wouldn't it? We don't need it. 
We don't. It'd be like being a Chicago's Bears fan. <laughs> I know there's a few Bears fans in here. Mike Ellis is back there. One of these days, Mike Ellis is going to get up and walk out when I say something about the Bears. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> yep. Let's fire it up. I'm going to pray for your salvation. Mike is running media, by the way, today. Sorry, so those are the requirements. Almost. Yes. There we go. So those are requirements. The column in the right, shepherding. These are the three goals our elders have. Shepherding, help the pastor to shepherd the congregation. Help the pastor govern the congregation to look after the soul of the pastor, both for concern uh, and due to pastoral accountability to the elders. This is one thing, by the way, this is a personal add-on for me to the requirements for an elder. If I've got an elder who's going to be who's I have to be accountable to, I really do want to respect that elder. Doesn't that make sense? If this is going to be somebody who's going to take me out to lunch someday and say, Jim, I just want to talk to you about something, you know, that we need to get worked out in your life or that I'm trying to understand where you're at and what you're thinking, I want to make sure that, I'm, that we've got a dual respect going. Um, and I respect our elders very, very much. Very much. These are, uh, they're all, they try so hard to do right by God and so hard to do right by our congregation. And their hearts really are with us, and their hearts are very much to uh, serve. Uh, it's a unique ministry, and there are scriptures in the Bible that kind of say what I'm going to say, but they don't say it the way I say it, uh, that it is hard work to be an elder. Um, we get together, we have our meetings at least once a month. Every now and then there's a terrible thing or some kind of Difficult circumstance that we'll need to go through. Maybe it's just buying a new building, or maybe it's a tragedy, or maybe it's something like that. And to be an elder in a time like that is really miserable. It's a lot of pressure. It really is. Are we doing this right? Do we get this right? God, do we get this right? So we make our decisions and we do the best we can. We ask our pastors here to be elders. So they're preaching and they've got that governing aspect and well, let's talk about pastors. This is what an elder, this is what Phil McCabe is going to be about here. Pastor, same thing, left column, qualifications. They have all the qualifications of elders. They've got to do all the same stuff. They must demonstrate the gift of being a pastor. They must show the shepherding aspect. They must show that they're looking out for people. Now, there are multiple ways in, in the world to become a pastor. One of them, you go to a Bible college and you graduate when you're 22 with a degree that says you're a pastor. But how did you prove it? How did you prove that you're a pastor? How did that person do it? They're 22. Some of them have never lived away from home, and now they're going to start counseling people. It's a hard time. You with me? I'm not speaking against Bible school. I'm saying it's just challenging. So we want people here to prove it, to show for a season of time, not a month, usually it's several years, to show that they've got a shepherding heart, that they're looking out for people. And then the add-ons are the same as before. Uh, one add-on, by the way, is that their spouse is behind them. Their spouse is into it. The spouse is going to need to let them go to certain things, and, get, and if emergencies come up and need, there's extra time involved, then the spouse has to be behind them in that. Uh, the requirements are the same. 
or the duties are the same. Elder job description, they have the same three elder goals. They have to preach. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, you grace regulars, Mark has, Mark has been preaching a bit more and more over time. Uh, they have to equip others. This is very much a pastoral goal that is, a, that is different than the elder goal here. We ask our pastors to be more about equipping others, to be, not do the work, but putting other people in place so they can do the work. How do we help them get there? How do we move them along? What if somebody has a plan or a vision and they want to start a new thing? Come on, pastors. Let's figure out how to get them there. And we ask our fivefold, not all of our fivefold. We ask Andy to do the same thing. Don't do the work. Equip others to do the work. It's all about doing the same thing. Equip, equip, equip. I can't, you know, I say this as an aside. Somewhere along the line, and I was talking to Lee about this, my wife. Somewhere along the line, I think we started using the word ministry in society as a disservice to all believers. Because we would say, that person's in the ministry. But all believers have ministry to do. We do it here on a Sunday morning, and we do it, you do it when you go to work. You bring your ministry with you to work. And you take your ministry into your neighborhood. So when we use the word ministry, it's a disservice. And we say, that person's a minister. Well, you're a minister, and you're a minister, and you're a minister, and you're a minister. Anyway, annual goals. This is something that we do. Um, probably this has to do with my previous corporate life. As I look at this, I know that when we started to go through this, so we ask all fivefold, which is our pastors and our evangelists right now. We don't ask uh, Pastor Frank to do this, even though I see him as my pastor. Um, but we ask kind of us, any pastors and evangelists here, any who would come in the future, to write goals. And when I first started talking about this with Mike and Andy, they both kind of looked at me like this. Why? 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 But we had good dialogue about it, and we decided unanimously that we wanted to have annual goals. It's one or two goals a year, um, and Mike has them, and Andy has them, and I have them. You know my goals because I share them in January. The elders hear them first. You hear them over the pulpit. Uh, but Mike and Andy have goals, and if you ever want to know what they're doing, ask them. Now, we put a lot of weight in our goals. A lot of weight in our goals. We believe we, we do things as an elder or for our office, but we want it to be clear what we're doing. If we would ever have, now, I, this is a heavy thing. If we would ever have two years, they don't even have to be sequentially. Two years, though, in our time in ministry where we did not accomplish our goals, we consider that a voluntary resignation. That's big, right? Do you want slackers in office? Do you want somebody just being eye candy? We put a lot of weight in that. Our annual goals matter very, very, very much to us. No goals. You don't hit anything. You know, you aim for what you hit. If you don't aim for anything, what do you hit? Nothing. Nothing. And we call those Chicago Bear fans. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing. All right, so I wanted to go over these things, and I wanted to set this backdrop today because of the guys that we have coming. But also, and I think it's important for us to remember this, our government, what God is, what 
what Jesus has given us, what we have in place, shapes how we're, and it shows what we're supposed to produce. We very much have a process and a system that says we need to be involved, we have to be active, we have to be doing. We don't have a process in place for us to be just pew sitters. And we don't have a process in place for us to do it only at church. And we don't have a process in place for us to do it when we just feel like it. And it's a process that includes accountability. And it's a process that's based in love and concern for each other. And love and concern for people who don't know the Lord. Our government is a specific structure that, has, that, want, that looks to produce specific results in our life. I have no doubt that, that uh, Phil and Mark will do a great job as they step into these roles. But all of us need to remember that we have our own ministry everywhere we go. Everybody that we touch. Amen? So please stand up if you would, and we will pray. Lord, we seek you for this process and uh, growth in it and understanding more of what you've put together so we can flow better in that. We pray for, I pray very much for everybody here in the ministry that you've called for their lives, in their workplace, in their uh, neighborhoods, with their friends here or there, in their congregation, in our congregation, Lord. And I just pray for a wider understanding of how to operate in those things that you've given them. And Lord, certainly for wisdom for our leaders here. I thank you for this house, Lord. I thank you for everybody that you've called together. Please bless this group. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.